0: As we know, this parsha has riyah, much of it, and the next week's parsha also talks about the concept of tsaras. Tsaras is poorly <coughs> translated as leprosy, mm-hmm. some skin disease, and there's uh, three different types of three different types of situations where you can have taras one is on the person's body one is the clothing the other one is on the houses there are different types of blotches complicated that uh, I don't have clarity certainly there are enigmas having to do with the different types of tumma of impurity and um this is really the focus of this week's parsha of Tazuri, except for the beginnings we'll talk about, and how to get out of it. How to get out of it. You go to the Kohen, if he declares you as being Tameh, then you need to spend a time of isolation. The, the notion of being Tameh, a human being, being impure, which is actually the only there are a lot of different sources of impurity. You can have rodents that are impure, you can have animals that are impure, but the only time that you can have impurity from a live entity is a human being. And part of the idea is, I'm not going to go into the details of this concept, part of the idea is that all, purity, all impurity is connected to death. But a human being can be dead while he is alive. A human being could be dead while he's... That's why a woman who has her period, so she's shedding potential life, so there's a concept of impurity. That's why a man, when he has a seminal emission, so he has a, there's a concept of impurity. That's why... The, so the concept of... The, the rabbis say there are four people that are like they're dead. One of them is called a mitzorah, the one who has this type of disease. And as you probably are familiar... Um, the Gemara tells us that the concept, even though it doesn't say it in the Torah proper, Gemara in Arachan on page 16b, tells us that um, there are seven sins, seven sins that are connected to the the, the plague of tzaraz I read to you what the Gemara says. Sar Tsaraas, Tzahra, which is like the oh. leprosy. Mm-hmm. Al Shiva Devarim Niggaimbahitsora it's you know, it's uh, whatever they translate it here. Seven things that comes. Al Hara, speaking bad, Shvikuz Damin, shedding blood, Al Hashav, a false or gratuitous oath, Al Giluya sexual immorality, gasus Haruach, arrogance, gezel stealing Tsarus ayin um, and narrow eye, stinginess. The medrash the medrash expands the list beyond what I just said. The medrash says Lashon Hara is there also, speaking that. Included in that also people who donate to tzedakah in public, or commit but do not give. Included in that are those that make oaths but do not fulfill. Included in that are those that speak lies or false witnesses, or those that spread gossip, or those that those, those that are that mock others. Late Leitzanim um, and chanife Torah. Those that flatter. Those that flatter. Um, falsely uh, um, individuals that aren't deserving of such. I think that's what that line means. So, the, the lion's share of the sins that are connected to tsaras have to do with what capacity? <coughs> Feel free the to... Mouth. The mouth. The mouth, right? The mouth. And that's a very famous idea that Tsaras has to do with the <coughs> sins of the mouth. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, there's one little section before we get to Tsaras, which has to do with um, a woman who gives birth on the beginning of the parasha, page 608. And the Torah tells us, we've spoken about this in the past also, that when she gives birth to a male, she's impure for seven days. And then she has an interim period of 33 days Where she is considered to be pure, and what that means is she's permitted to be with her husband no matter what. Nowadays, this halacha doesn't apply for reasons we can't go into. And if she gives birth to a female, so she's impure for fourteen days, but she's pure for sixty-six days. It's a double. And then after she passes the interim period of thirty-three for the male and sixty-six for the female which is really 7 and 33, which is 40, and 14 and 66, which is 80. Then she brings sacrifices, and then she's able to have entree into the temple, into the Beis Hamidosh or the Mishkan. So there's a concept of the impurity having to do with giving birth, which is a wild idea, since giving birth is a mitzvah. But what's the impurity? And I'm sure you could imagine that a lot of commentaries bring it back to the original sin, because the Chava was involved in that way. But the general topic of this week's parsha and next week's parsha is impurity that comes from live people. From live people. That's the topic. And how to get out of it and, you know, where it... where it... Uh, how, the manifestations. So Rashi has a very fascinating comment, and we'll start with this Rashi. And I'd like to put this Rashi as sort of like the introduction to the, the, the Shir, We'll read the Rashi We'll contrast it to a Medrash So Rashi says Amar Rabbi Simlai One of the great sages of the Mishnah Right before In Parshas Shemini Right before the Parsha of Tazriah We talked about animals We talked about the laws of kosher animals Of non-kosher animals there are laws that are connected to what you can eat and cannot eat. And there's also at the end, there are animals that are impure, animals that die without shechita, without uh, ritual slaughter. They also bring impurity. They bring impurity. So there are laws of eating and there are laws of purity and impurity. So, Rabbi Simlai says, Why does the Torah go from animals to human beings? What's the connection between last week's parasha And this week's parasha So Rabbi Simloi says the following That just like In the original creation of The six days Right Animals were created before man Because animals were created On what day? Day five and day six Day five are the birds And the And the birds and the fish And day six is what? The other animals, right? The lions, the tigers, the okay. and, uh, bears And then at the end Were human beings Just like in the creation of man So too, the Torah The laws associated with them Are following the same order First we talk about animals Then we talk about human beings the inner consistency of the Torah. So, obviously, that raises the question of, that's interesting, why does the Torah... Why is the order that way in the first place? First of all, why in creation is man at the end? Years ago, we, uh, when we started Link, there was a very wonderful... Uh, uh, rabbitson she's alive and well, Baruch Hashem, Her name is Reviton Simi Yellen, and she gave... gave um, a lot of classes for women, and uh, she was she had prepared wonderful shir. So, so one of her classes that she was giving uh, was uh, about you know the unique spirituality of uh, of a woman, which I'm not so equipped to give that shir And uh, so I asked her, "What's the title?" So she said, "Saving the best for last." <laughs> Saving the best for last. Right? So there's that idea of. There's a concept of, as we will see, the concept of that there's a certain order of creation. So the, 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 the Gemara, the, the Medrash, is tapping into that concept. But here we get to a very fascinating question, which I want to um, bring to your attention. The Gemara asks the question, Why was man created last? This is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, on page 38a. And the Gemara says... Two answers that seem to be contradictory. Why, the Gemara asks, why was man created alone? That's for one question. Then the Gemara says, why was he created at the end? So the Gemara gives a few answers. Let me give you two of them. One answer, the Gemara says, is, <laughs> so that the, the man could walk into a set table a shulchan aruch why should man have to wait here when I say man I mean mankind why should humanity have to wait for something to eat But God already took care of making sure there was some fish and there was some meat and there were some mangoes and kiwis and papayas and cranberries and zucchini and kale and broccoli and things like that and my wife tells me about that whatever it is that some people eat will daven for them so Kideshi Kanis Miyad person should be able to walk into the meal right away. If if man was created in the third or fourth day, he'd have to wait for he'd have to wait for God to make the proteins. Masha This can be compared to a king of flesh and blood. Shebana Palterin. He built a he built a palace. The lelon. And he got it all ready. And he made the meal. And then he invited the guests. And the Gemara says, and this is the idea of why God created man last. That's one answer. However, another answer the Gemara says, something very, very different. That's a pretty uplifting answer. No, Barry? That makes you feel good. But the Gemara says something else. The Gemara says, She'im tazuach alav. If man feels pretty haughty. If man feels pretty good about himself, don't feel that good about yourself. Don't feel so haughty. O yatush kademcha. The mosquito, the flea, preceded you. You're, let, you're, you're not even as chashr as a flea. Right? The, the mosquito preceded you. So we have two answers that seem to be very different answers. Right? So I want to figure out, I want to share with you how to reconcile these two answers of the Gemara. But first I want to ask another question. And that is, in Judaism, what's more important? Firsts or lasts? Is the first most khashiv or is the last most khashiv? So let's 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 try to think about this for a moment. What 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 can you bring a proof? Rosh Hashanah. That's uh, a up for the first, beginning of the year. Gemara says it's a good. You need to start the year strong. Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month. That's certainly a very important thing, right? <coughs> Kohain, then Levi, then Yisrael. Kohain goes first. He, he, he gets the first crack at the best food. He gets the first crack at the aliyah to the Torah. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Koi. The daughters of Tzalavchad, in the end of Parshas Mase were given the order of the most prominent first. That's often the first. That's the most prominent, right? Bechor. What? Bechor. Bechor, right. We could probably add a, a lot to the list. The firstborn... On the other hand, on the other hand, think about the seventh year, the Shemitah year. Think about the holiday of Shavuos, right? Seven of sevens. Think about the concept of Shabbos. Shabbos is the end of the week. Sof Maaseh b'Machshava Techila. Think about just a, in a in a in a house. You have a hallway, and the hallway leads to a. Something bigger Something nicer, right? In the, in the, in the, uh, in the classic metaphor of the rabbis the, This world is a hallway And the next world is the palace, right? So the, you, the hallway leads to something greater The end So we have a, a basic sort of, you know a, Different nuances, right? On the one hand The end is At times is most chashu On the other hand At times the first is most chashu How do we reconcile these two ideas? So let's put that question away also now let me ask you, let me share with you one, uh, one more Medrash before we share the beautiful Torah of Rav Zeven. the Medrash, the Medrash Raba, the Medrash Raba which is the classic Midrashic work on Vayikra quotes a verse the verse says Achor V'kedem tsartani," Achor V'kedem tsartani," which means in the end and in the beginning Akhar, the back and the front sartani, which can either mean I am made narrow I'm surrounded by the front and the back it could also mean it could also mean that I am feeling I am feeling sartani means to draw a picture so I am drawn the picture that I am drawn The picture of me that is being drawn is a picture of achar, of the back and the kadim and the front. Either I feel narrow, I feel crushed, I feel very, you know, compacted. Or I am composed of, I am comprised of the beginning and the end. So on this the Medrash makes the following comment. If man merits, then man precedes all of creation. If man does not merit, we tell him, you are preceded by the yatush, by the flea, the same line that we saw in the Gemara. So this Medrash is very similar to what we saw in the Gemara. But what's the difference? The, the Medrash here says something which seems to be completely wrong. What does the Medrash say? The says, if man merits, then we tell him, you came before all of creation. There's only one problem with that. What's the problem? it's not true right the famous question why Lech Lecha is written with two cheses again I mean, you have to know a little bit Hebrew so somebody said but Rabbi it's not Okay, it hey, that's one answer it's two it's two cuffs it's not two cheses whatever yeah okay so why should truth ever get in the way of a, a good line right so so what does the medjush mean ah if you merit you will be you, then you will merit to be the first of all creation but you're not the first of all creation you're the last of creation So So Rav Zevin, Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin, in a beautiful insight says the following um, very important idea He says it depends It depends What does it depend on? He says If you are focused on a goal and a purpose If you have a game plan for life then the end is the most significant. I, I think about what I want to accomplish in life. I have a tachlis of life. I have a purpose in life. So then, my whole life is getting there. I might not get there, but I'm getting closer to there. Right? I want to get, I want to get someplace. I want to go. I want to achieve. I have a tachlis achayim. I have a purpose. Right? So, in that type of life... If life is with purpose then the goal and the greatness is at the end. The goal and the greatness is at the end. And that's why the rabbis say that if a person works very hard in this world they will merit the next world. But they say it this way if you work hard on Friday you'll merit Shabbos. Because the next world is Shabbos. And this world is like Friday. right? We've spoken about that a lot. And in this sense, Rav Zevin says, it's like a fruit. You peel away to get to the fruit. Right? You peel away. You, and it's, it's hard sometimes, you know. I have people in my family, they don't like peeling oranges. So they say, oh, but can you peel the orange? I can't uh-huh. it well, oranges. Okay. I'm like the designated orange peeler, <laughs> yeah. you know. So what? I got that orange rind through my nails. Okay, fine, you know. So, uh, whatever it is, that's part of what it means. Okay, I don't... I oh, hope my daughter doesn't hear this shit. So the... Uh, so the so that's one t- a life of tachlis is a life, a life of purpose is a life where the end is the most significant. But if you are focused not in that way, but rather the relationship, shall we say, is one of mashpia and mushpa. Mashpia means one who influences. And the mushpa, one who is influenced, so then the first is what's most significant. So, for example, the head is considered to be, both in the secular world and in the spiritual world, the most important part of the body, the Rosh. You can't live without a head, although I know many,
1: many people that do. Okay,
0: but you, you, the head, right? That's everything, right? Nebuchadnezzar, a person can live without other limbs, but the head, they can't live without. The Rosh is mashpiya on the whole guf. It has influence on the whole body. The beginning of the year is mashpiya on the whole year. The beginning of the month influences, right, the whole month. Um, The Rebbe influences the student, the Rav and the Talmud, right? If that's the relationship, then the beginning is most important. So the Gemara says, why did God create... Why did God create man last? And the Gemara gave two answers. The first answer, or one of the answers that we presented was, so that man should walk into a set table. What, what is the conception of man in that reality? In that reality, the idea is, the concept is, that, that we view life as having an ultimate purpose of a relationship with God. And therefore, in this conception of the world, man is the apex of creation. Man is the goal of creation. In this conception of of the world, then animals are only created in service of men, as the Gemara in Kedushan says. And therefore, the medrash that we mentioned later on that said, if you merit... Then what if you merit, then you you're the first of all creation. What does it mean you're the first of all creation? It means you're the primary of all creation. You are the apex. Now you're the, the, you're not the first in chronology, but you're the first in priority. Right? You're the first Shabbos isn't the first, but Shabbos is we say in the in the, chadod, the Sof ma'aseh, it's the first in thinking, right? You can't build a house. You can, but it won't come out well. You can't build a house unless you ha- you've worked out all the details to the very end. Right? Now I'm not talking about the paintings on the wall, but I'm talking about like you know, how, you, you, how do you build that? Because otherwise, you have to have it. Then, once you've finished it all up, I know what I, I, know what I want it to look like, then I begin to build. So, Shab- so it says the Gemara in Sanhedrin that man, why did God create man last and then woman is even after man? Because... On some level, saving the best for last, and that's not, not, not just pandering. I, I can pander also. the <laughs> Maisa, right? I say enough in the appropriate comments. So I at least have to say something nice every once a while. So the right? The concept is the concept is that that in 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 a goal driven life, then humanity is at the crown. Humanity is at the crown. But in a life of, shall we say, of just living for the moment. A life of just going from one pleasure and one experience to the other. Without thinking about what life's about. So then, we're not the first, we're the last. Yatosh kodemcha. That means to say, on some level, we're lower than an animal. Why are we lower than an animal? Because animals comport to their basic reality. They don't violate the reality. They're meant. Animals are meant to act animalistic. They do that. They do a very good job of that, right? And the moral says the word Behema has in it two words, Ba Ma. In it is what it is. In it Ba Ma is what it is. That means to say, the animal doesn't. You know, you don't say to the, you don't say to the dog. Listen, you're acting very uh, cat-like today, right? You, know, you don't say to the lion. You know, you don't say to the lion. You know, uh, how come you are, uh, you know, barking? Lions don't bark, and cats don't. Uh, and cats don't. I don't know what the right word is. Moo, and right, and cows uh, don't uh, purr. They do what they're supposed to do, right? And, but human beings have the ability to violate their very essence and when they when they go in the wrong way. And therefore in that sense in that sense they are even lower than the Yatush and in that sense, as Eov writes in chapter thirty five, verse eleven, mi Bahamos we're even we're even we're even lower than the animals of the world. We're even lower than the animals of the world. So, so this, this is the opening sort of line to Parshas Tazriyam, that, that a human being has tremendous capacities in both directions. And the, to the extent that they decide, a human being decides, if they want to live a purpose-driven life or not, will be dependent on the order. So why animals, then human beings... So, on one level, it's because animals are greater. On the other level, it's because they're meant to serve us. And how does that play itself out in this week's parasha? We'll see in a moment. I just want to just make one more comment um, in, in that regard. It's a very interesting thing. You probably have heard about this. The Gemara tells us in Gitin that there was a famous wicked man by the name of Titus. Who was he? He was the general who destroyed the second temple. And what happened to him? What happened to him? He had a he, right a in the Gemara it says a yatush came in, a flea came into I don't know a flea a mosquito came into his came into his nose and it penetrated his brain and it, for years or whatever long it was, the buzzing or whatever it was it caused caused a tremendous amount of pain. And in the end he he was felled by that. And I, I just saw a few years ago that they somehow they got hold got hold. To, of Titus's brain, and they said that he died from brain cancer. There's like a whole thing. You could Google it, probably. You know, and this is not from Jewish sources, but the idea fits very well with the point that we're making: that God's great sense of irony, right? That the most mighty person on the planet, the general of Rome, should be felled by the by the by a flea, right? That that sense of that sense of man being sub the smallest animal, right? Uh, Elephants have no known, what's the word, um, predators, except for, what's that? I think the, the flea. Fly, the fly. I think the flea or the fly. Which one is it? Right? So God, Qadosh great sense of humor, right? That a human being, the massive and the big, in the hands of the small. Okay. Now, with that, with that idea, I want to bring to your attention um, the opening of the parsha on page 608. Page 608, the opening of the parsha of leprosy, of tzoraz, <coughs> starts with the following. <coughs> Shem spoke to Moshe and Aaron saying, Adam, a man, ki if he has on the skin, on his skin, his flesh, he has se'es o sapachas o baharis, which are different types of the leprous spots. You look in the arch they'll tell you there's white, and then there's a, a li- little bit l- less white, and and there's a middle category, and really there are four different types of color, and there's a whole explanation over here, which we're not going to get into tonight. And what happens, but it he hasn't yet it hasn't yet been declared to be tame impure. And then what happens is that in the on the flesh he feels that it might be a leprous spot. Vehuva El Aharona Kohen. He has to be brought to Aharon HaKohen He has to be brought to the Kohen. And the word Vihuva means he's going against his will. O El or to any one of the children. Verse three, Kohen anega, the Kohen sees it, He looks at it, Visayar Banega, sees a hair in the spot, Hafakh Labana turned white. Nega amok or and the appearance of the spot was deeper than the flesh. Nega tarasu, it is considered to be a leprous spot, virao, a coin vitim, or, or so, the coin sees it and he makes him tummy. And Rashi tells us, one of the interesting ideas of taras is that, that it has to be pronounced by the Koi. So much so, so much so, and Rashi says in the third law is that it has to be by the Kohen. And therefore, the halacha is if you have a Chassan who's, uh, who just got married and he suspects that he has a leprous spot, and part of the process of Taras is separation from your spouse and leaving the camp, and that's not a good way to start the marriage. So, that halacha is that he, he, he waits. He doesn't show it to the Kohen, the Kohen doesn't look at it yet. 'Cause until the Kohen looks at which which is by the way, one of the big proofs that this isn't about an infection and about spreading and all that stuff, but it's ra- rather about something spiritual. It doesn't say that in the text itself. But that's another <laughs> strong proof that the commentaries bring. And and so the Kohen declares him tame and he's got and, and he's got a the the Torah says, the um, Time oh so and he, he, he becomes impure. But if he's not sure if the coin is not sure, so then there's another Step, which called a, he's called he's called a muskar, which means he's sort of in abeyance. Verse four, um, he's not sure. The coin's not sure. The coin will tell him. Let's wait seven days, and then on the seventh day, the coin looks again, and the, and if it didn't spread, the coin says, let's wait another seven days. And if it did spread, if it didn't, um, if it if it, the coin sees that it uh, that it really was that the that the was diminishing. Then the halacha will be tahor, and if it did spread, then it won't be tahor. There's a lot of complicated laws, which, frankly, we require a lot of, a lot of explanation, a lot of work to go through, which we're not going to do. So, a major part of this process is going to the kohen, going to the kohen. And when the Torah introduces this phrase, this, this beginning of the halacha, the Torah says, "Ki baadam. ba adam," that when a negat will be ba adam. Adam means man. So asks the Nitziv a very beautiful and important question. The netziv says in the Torah there are four words used for man. I'm sure you can figure out at least one of them besides Adam. What's another one? Ish. Ish and Adam. What else? Anosh. What? Anosh. Enosh. Enosh. Beautiful. Enosh. That's a, that's yet another name for man. We have Enosh, we have Adam, we have Ish. One more? We actually have it's actually a fifth fifth word. what's the what's another word? Nefesh. Nefesh, soul, human soul. And then there's another word Gever. gever. So I the, the Medrish quotes four, I don't I didn't see the Medrish in its source, so I suspect the Medrish didn't say Enosh. I suspect the Medrish said Gever. So, Adam, Gever, Nefesh, Ish. But the Zohar says that the most significant title given to man is Adam. Adam. In fact, without going into all the details, but the Gemara tells us in Yivamos that the Jew alone is given the special title of Adam. Atem Kiruyim Adam. You are called Adam. That's a very high-level Adam. Again, you might say, what do you mean? Adam wasn't Jewish? How, but, how does that work? Not for now. But Adam is a very high level. The highest of the appellations of man is Adam. So, asks the Nitziv. Such so a very basic question. If the Zohar is correct, then this makes no sense in the context of, of our section. Why? No. Help me out here. Why? Is anybody alive today? Again, if the Zohar is correct, that Adam is the highest level term used for men. Tera'a? Why is that? We know why this guy got Saras. One of those seven sins, none of them that are really, you know, none of them that are really that good, right? So Adam, so negat Saras, Kitiya, Adam. When it will be in an Adam, why do we give such a great appellation? B'Adam, Adam? What's that doing here? It's a very important question. So, Rav Alpert, Rav Nissen Alpert, who um, was one of the main students of Rav Moshe Feinstein, I had the privilege of of being in the same uh, yeshiva. I was in Yeshiva University when Rav Alpert was a rebbe. I remember seeing him, and I remember he got when he was sick. I remember him with great Messiris nefesh, giving the shear, giving shiurim. He died at the same time as Rav Moshe Feinstein. He was Moshe was about thirty years older than Rav Alpert al died of cancer I remember his coughing I remember his coughing I remember his Mesirus Nefesh He was a very, very great Talmud scholar, A very great Torah scholar And he has a beautiful piece on this And he wonders He quotes the medrash That we quoted about Rabbi Simulai in Rashi And he quotes Adam And he, and he wonders what, what is this Why does the, we use the term Adam? Why do we use the, the term Adam? And he says the following he, he quotes the netziv who asked this question. And he says, a beautiful idea. He says, the greatness of man is not measured by whether he has nigayim, these spots, the tzarats, or not. Certainly, human beings speak Lash and Hara. Do you believe me? No. If not, Mm. let me share with you It's a very bad joke It's a very bad joke The greatness of man The greatness of man Is not measured by whether or not He has these spots Yes, human beings Human beings Certainly have a lot of flaws Human beings, Adam The greatest human beings Have a lot of flaws Without a question the greatest of human beings have a lot of flaws. But nevertheless, nevertheless, the greatness of a human being is what? The greatness of a human being is how he responds to his flaws. I remember, I want to read to you, I want to, I want to share with you a line that I just heard from Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, who was a great orator and a great Torah scholar also. He says, as I was quoting this from Albert, he says, it is not an indictment of an individual to be less than great. It is an indictment of an individual not to have an aspiration to be great. It is not an indictment of an individual to be less than great. It is an indictment of an individual not to have an aspiration to be great. And then he quoted, Bernstein quoted his son in the name of his son's Rosh Shiva, who I don't know who it was. He said, the minimum that the Torah requires of an individual is the maximum. <laughs> the minimum that the Torah requires of an individual is the maximum. I remember I was struggling many years ago. Struggling, I said, you know, it says in the Gemara that you have to learn Torah from a Rebbe if he if he looks like a Malach, a Rav then then you should learn Torah from his mouth. If he's similar to an angel. So I remember I was struggling because at the time. You know, when you're young, you sort of like, you idolize your rabbi. When you get older, you begin to see, he has this problem and that problem, this Of course, I know you don't have that vision of me, but like other rabbi, right? So, you, you know, so you begin to say, well, what happened to the malachi? He has this flaw and that flaw and this flaw. And I was very bothered by it. And I asked this, one of my rabbi, I didn't, who didn't have any of those flaws, I asked one of my rabbi, I said, well, how do I deal with this issue? It's driving me crazy. This is a person I consider a rabbi, but I see he has... Like, you know, this is like, you know, this this problem and that problem, like I, it, it bothers me. Like I, how do I learn Torah from him? So he said, the Vilna Gon writes, in the Sefer known as Evan Shlema, I never found it inside. But the Vilna Gon writes that, that, of course, every person has flaws. But the way in which you can gauge whether you can learn Torah from that person is how does that individual respond when you Make that individual aware of his or her flaws? How do they respond? And so says of Albert something very, very beautiful that when the Torah starts off with the presentation of tzaras, ki tihye ba'adam, when, when a person has this flaw, the huva El he has to be schlepped, sometimes he has to be schlepped, he, can't, he goes against his will. To the kohen Behuva El ha-kohen. He's brought against his will. But then later on in the text, the Torah says that he comes to the Kohen willingly. Uba El Hakoin. In verse 16, Uba El ha-kohen. That's the goal is to move from being schlepped to what? To wanting to seek out someone who can who can tell you what you're doing wrong. And therefore we have this idea, the very famous concept that many of the Baalei Musa talk about, that it's very healthy and appropriate to find somebody who can give you Musa, to find somebody who can tell you what you're doing wrong. That's why it says in the Gemara in Arachin, in the very next page, the Gemara in Arachin says that, that, that um, Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri said, that there are many, I can I can bring to to testify, Shamayim and Aretz, heaven and earth, that many times Rabbi Akiva was smitten because of me, because I would complain to Rabbi Gamliel about Rabbi Akiva. I would complain to him. Why well, isn't that Lashin hara? No, I, I did it latachlis for a purpose. And the more I complained, the more he loved me, as it says, as we as it says in Mishlei, do not give rebuke. To a cynic, because he will hate you, give rebuke to a Chacham, because he will love you. The Chacham loves to receive rebuke. And that's why the Vilna Gon, we know, hired the Dubna Magid to give him rebuke. Because at the end of the day, and that's an interesting concept, that you go to the Kohen, and what if the Kohen has leprosy? Can he, can he pasken him for himself? So the Gemara, so the Mishnah says in the Gaim chapter 2, Mishnah 5, Kol hanigayim, every every leprous spot the coin could look at, look at, except for his own. Chutz nige nigei atzmo, except for his own. Why? Because everybody needs to go to his coin. The Vilna needed a coin. right? One of the great, one of the great definitions of a chaver, as appears in the, in Pirkei Obos, to have a good friend. I've shared this many times. The Baraita says one of the commentaries on the Mishnah is known as the Bartanur. The Bharatiya says, who's a good friend? good friend is somebody who gives you rebuke. Somebody that gives you musa. And then I like to say, I have many good friends. <laughs> <laughs> many good friends. Hmm. Right? Somebody who gives you right? somebody gives you musa. How about a husband right? and wife? It so That's, allowed? absolutely. Yes. But it has to, you have to know how to do it. It has they to come are. from a place of love. <laughs> somebody just called me up today. Somebody called today and said, there's a certain internal WhatsApp group that I have for seminary girls. And somebody put on something that somebody else wasn't happy with. So they called me up, what should I do, what should I do? I said, well, if you're friendly with the person, then tell them. But if you're not friendly, you don't feel close, don't tell that person. Because if you're not a chaver, you can't give musa. You can only give musa if it comes from a place of love. Right? Which is why, we, why the Gemara says... In our generation, maybe nobody can give Musa. Okay, so, you know, and it's an interesting thing. Rabbi Albert concludes his remarks, he concludes this very beautiful piece, and he says such an amazing thing because part of the process of, of, of Taras is going through the necessary therapy, which I will talk about in a moment, to pull yourself out of that mind space. The Gemara in Brachos tells us that there were many great rabbis who would end their silent prayer in a unique fashion. That they would, you know, we have the 18 brachot or the 19 blessings, and then at the end you add your own thing. And then we actually have incorporated elokai Nitzor, which is the end of the silent prayer. We have incorporated it as being part of the standard text, but it's really not. It really was the addition of one of the rabbis whose name was Mar Bere de Ravina. And Mar, when he would f- conclude his one essay, he would say, elokai Nitzor Lishoni Meira, you should protect my tongue from speaking bad, and my lips from speaking deceit, etc., etc. So it's interesting, right, that we append to the silent prayer which particular sin? The sin of the medaber, the sin of the speech, the sin of the speaker, right? So the Torah appends, the Torah gives us the term Adam, by the sin of the one who speaks inappropriately implying, says Alpert this doesn't mean that he's a bad person but this in here is going to be his battle and if he is right, if he is going to grow it's going to be in that definition of Adam in that definition of Adam and that surrounds the concept of speech so why is that? so why is that? So let me, that gets to the second part of the shi. So just to summarize what we did till now. Number one, we started by pointing out the contradiction in the Gemara, contradiction in the Gemara between the two answers, right? And we said it depends if a person lives a purpose-driven life. And that really the ultimate goal of man is to live that purpose-driven life right, that life of Tachlis, and that's the introduction to Parshas Tazwir. And then it gets into the idea of the Tumah of Tzaraz. And the Tumah of Taras is introduced with the word Adam. And we ask why Adam, according to the Zohar, it's the most Hashem. The answer is that man ha- all, every man has faults, every man has flaws. And we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not going to be punished for our flaws. We'll be punished, we'll be indicted for the way we deal with our flaws. And it starts sometimes with the reticence. It has to be schlepped to the Kohen. But, but it ultimately has to be Ubalah. We, we want to get to the coin, we, we want to achieve a greatness. But it's dafka in the place of dibor in the place of speech. Why? So here we get to. So I, I think probably you know the most important piece, what I want to share with you tonight. Um, this by means of just uh, by means of a little bit of a of an interesting article, just to to start. The um, the. Uh, uh, I was recently at a at funeral, of a, a funeral last week, and when I made the shiva visit of this at the funeral, so the uh, the son related how he, the, 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 his mother passed away, and she was buried in Israel. And In Israel, they don't you, they, they, it's very stark the burial, the, the 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 body is you can see the contours of the body. It's covered in the, you know, it's just wrapped in cloth. And it's very stark, as opposed to, you know, in America, it's, you know, it's covered and covered and covered. And he said that that's a jar. it's a very jarring experience. And he said, he, and he said, uh, he said you know, if you think about it, the, the humbleness of man and the human body, he said, we have, the human body is about is worth about $10 worth of chemicals the human body is so, it's so, as a physical entity, it's so cheap, as a physical entity, in terms of what, you know, the the chemicals, so I I thought, that's interesting, let me Google that, so I Googled, um, how much are the elements, in our body worth, okay, so, 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1% phosphorus, .3% of potassium, .25% of sulfur, .15% of sodium and chlorine, .05% of magnesium, .0004 of iron, .0004 of iodine, some other trace elements, so anybody want to take a guess how much that, how much is that worth? I'm not sure, but after that inquiry, I would think the FBI showed up. Yeah, so, so, um, you ready? It's actually, it's actually one dollar. The whole thing? One dollar. Wow. And then the person concludes the article, let's see if we can bump up the price a bit. If you're looking to make a buck, you know, and, you know it says a few, whatever, I'm going to the details. It says it's a little bit more, but your skin would be worth about $3.50 if it was sold at the price of a cowhide. So if you take a dollar worth of elements plus the value of your skin, get four fifty, dollars it'll round up to $5 and make you feel better about your chemical value. On the other hand, tigers, tigers, okay, are worth a tremendous amount. Um, It's amazing. The horn, uh, there are 3,200 tigers left in the world. There was a whole conference in the year 2010 about how to save the tigers, a big problem. Um, And a half a bottle of tiger bone wine, made in the 1980s, in China, is selling at 6,000 British pounds. It's a half a bottle, selling at about $12,000. The horn of a rhino is worth about $65,000 per kilo. An average white rhino bears about 6 kilos of horn, so that's about $390,000, etc., etc. This is a whole... Don't so the, you don't, you don't need to hear the ah oh, ah. That's, right. oh. That's the whole shit. So the Rambam, so the Rambam, in his introduction to the Mishnah in Zraim, the Mishnai, is the Rambam in his introduction, says something very powerful. The Rambam writes, "The Kasher He talks about you know all of creation and man, right? You know, what's the purpose of a, a flea? And what's the purpose of a spider? And what's mm-hmm. the purpose of a cow? What's the, all the different purposes, right? So he says, the Ramam says, mm-hmm. All of these things we started this year, right? All of these things God set table for man. It's the set table for man. But really, a flea is worth more than man. On some level, on a chemical level, we understand what the Gemara means. On a chemical level, right? the animals are worth much more than man. Man is worth $5 if I'm generous. Right? But a rhino, tiger, whiner, I have no idea what that is. Right? That's worth a lot of money. So the Gemara makes a lot of sense. Animals are worth much more than man. Seen from the prism of a non-Tachlidic non-tach, tach, life. Seen from the prism of a life that doesn't have a purpose? Save the whales before you save man. You make a lot more money. Says the Rambam, in his beautiful introduction to Mishnayis, man does many things, much more than animals. Ilanos do one function or two functions. Right? We see, the Rambam writes, that the date trees, right, what do they do? They just take out dates. And what do... the uh, There are certain animals that weave like the spider, he says. right? And then, there, and then we know that the birds build their nests. But man does many things. Man does many things. When we think about all the things that he does, right? all the different things of man. So what's his purpose? All of the animals have one tachlis. We're also, we also have one tachlis. But we do many things. So he says, we have to realize that all the other tachlases of man, all the other things that man can do, that, that, that achila, eating and drinking, and beila and intimacy, or building, or blivnos all of these things, koleila are mikrin mischad All of these things are incidental. The Ramam is using classic sort of Greek philosophical terminology. They're incidental to man. They're accidental to man. Lo yo They don't they don't make a man greater. <coughs> and also, Shahum <laughs> in this in this realm man has no he's no greater than he's no greater than the rest of creation. Right? I, I, I have a friend of mine who we taught together in Yula many years ago, you know when guys get into the gym. You know, they what do they talk about afterwards? <coughs> like, you know, they talk about like you know how much did you bench press? You know, I did two hundred, I did two fifty, I did, did Three hundred. So my my good friend used to tell me, who's the rebbe used to tell the guys, listen, can you do more than a donkey? Can you can you bench press? Can you lift more than a donkey? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't Google how much a donkey, but it's but, but I'm sure it's many hundreds of pounds. Okay, I'm sure by the end of this year somebody will check on the the phone mm-hmm. and they'll tell me exactly, right? So he used to tell the boys anything that a donkey can do better than you it's not kedai to boast about. That's what the Rambam is saying here. Anything that, uh, that, the, that, the, that the world that preceded you can do better it's not, it's not what you're here for. So what are you here for? So listen to the language of the Rambam and we'll bring it back. The Rambam says <clears throat> what's the ultimate kavod of man? The malot Kavo, the honor of man. Haadam kodim sheyaskil v'yeda, who next shav ki a man before he thinks, man before he contemplates, he's like an animal. Lo nivdal misharmine achayos. The only way in which he's different is behi in his contemplation. Letzayir, I'm skipping a little bit. Letzayir lenavsho, he he conceives in his. Soul, Achdus Baruch the Unity of God, V'Chol the and everything that is accompanying the reality of the Divinity of God, Elokius, Chokmos, Einam Ela Elah Hargil all of the wisdoms of the world and all the activities of men—the eating, the drinking, the intimacy, the science, the math, the building—it's all in service of connection to God. And if man lives in that way then he's Adam. Shall Adam kishay ro ta'avot. but if he runs after desires umalbir hamurga shout ala muskalut and he elevates the regesh you know the physical desires ala muskalut over the desire to be connected intellectually and spiritually to God umaver sikhvol tavosav ad yachso ki behema asher otzeil nashah only wants is eating and drinking etc the Rabbim says, so what is he? What is he? So he so what's the Torah saying here? Listen to this how beautiful this is. When the Torah introduces the Tsaras what is the to- and the Tsaras by the way, as is said by the Bali Moser, Tsaras is the leprosy, is this blotch which attacks, attacks the body because part of the process of reclaiming the divinity of man, which has been lost, when man abuses the koach, which makes man man, which is his koach of speech, his ability to have Debor. So part of the process of the therapy of Mitzorah is the downplaying of the body, the separation from the spouse, the what the, the, the body being afflicted by plagues, because the, because the body is, is meant to be downplayed, of course. We have to take care of our body. And we have to make sure we exercise. We have to eat right. We have all that. But it's in service of God. Right? And this person, he forgot about that which made him a human being. That which made him a godly human being. is, is dibor. is koach of connecting with God. That's, that's where it's at. I made a shiva visit a few weeks ago. It's very... Beautiful story that I heard at the Shiva visit. Some man in the community—I'll I'll say the name because I think it's a Shabbat. Rabbi Prangler. Is Shabbat's is a praise. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Prangler. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Prangler. He uh, is a he's a rabbi. he Teaches at Yula Girls. He lives a uh, he he a he, uh, special Jew. He grew up uh, he grew up in Dallas, Texas. You heard of Dallas, Texas? You heard that? But he actually his father, Rabbi Prangler's father, was from Athens, Texas. Athens, Texas is only less obscure than Athens, Greece, slightly. So he uh, so his father his father came from Europe to Texas <laughs> and I think he said his father wrote his mother before they were married, wrote his mother letters for two years, his mother's in Brooklyn. Then he finally met her after he wrote the letters. They got married. She sh- he schlepped her from Brooklyn to Athens, Texas. She said, I trusted you. But then she looked at Athens, Texas. Not only was it Texas, but it was Athens, Texas. She said, I can't stay here. So they moved to Dallas, Texas. And in Dallas, Texas, there was really not much Judaism in the early 60s. And Ray Prangler's sister didn't go to a Jewish school. But then Ray Prangler himself went to a Jewish school, which was, which was uh, kiva. It's called a Yeah, It just had started. So his sister who passed away just a few weeks ago did not grow up with Yiddishkeit but she grew up with feminism. Feminism of the 60s late 50s, early 60s so feminism then the, the Ten Commandments of feminism was don't get married, don't have children men are equal to women so why should you, you know, get married why should you have kids, why should you know all that so that's what so she, she never got married and, uh, and then that was she was diagnosed a few years ago And she began to regret a lot of her life's decisions. But she didn't know how to connect. She didn't have a Jewish education. But she knew but she was close with her brother and her right Prangler's wife and so she would start talking a lot to her. And so she said, you know, I know that there's blessings you're supposed to make, but I don't know what blessings to make. So what I do is before I eat, I say Shema. before I put something in my mouth, I say, Shema Yisua, Shem Elkein, Hashem And after I eat, I say, Shema Yisua, Shem Elkein, Hashem And after I go to the bathroom, I say, Shema Yisua, Shem Elkein, Hashem Right? Is that not unbelievable? You know, as an angel, I was just thinking about this today. I was thinking about this idea. Shema is the prayer of faith and of unity. Faith in God, and of ultimate unity. And if you think about it, when one has a child, this is in traditional Jewish homes, they bring the child home from the hospital, maybe even before they bring the child home, first night of the child's life, you sing Shema to the kid. And you do that, hopefully, every night, or almost every night. You sing Shema to the kid. And that goes on for the whole of the child's life until the child says Shema for the parent when the parent leaves the world. Right? When the parent leaves the world. We say Shema in the morning of our life and we say Shema in the evening of our life. The mitzvah of Shema is the mitzvah in the morning and it's a mitzvah of night so shema is both the mitzvah of personal obligation we as jews individually have a mitzvah of shema in the morning and night and we have a mitzvah of saying shema not, and we have a traditional custom of saying shema in the beginning of our life, even before we know what it is, our parents say it to us, and we say it every day until we end our life. And we try to end our life with that concept of Shema. And more than that, the national life of the Jewish people, the national life. When was Shema first said? So when Yaakov sees Yosef, but when Yaakov sees all of his tribes, all of his children, and he sees and he sees them all together, and the children say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein, Hashem when, when the Jewish nation is formed, the morning of the Jewish nation, the beginning of the Jewish nation, and we have a tradition, the Gemara Sachim says, that when Jewish history will be played out, when Jewish history will be played out, and the Messiah will come, Mashiach will come, we, vahaya vayomahu Ahu, Hashem el-chod. As Rashi says, we say not just the unity personal, but the end of history is when we see how all of the difficult times in life come together for Klai Yisrael. So it's for me personally, the morning of my life, the night of my life, and by the way, in Judaism, the night is the beginning of life. The night, the night is the beginning of the day because it goes not from morning to night, it goes from night to morning, from night to morning because that's the goal. The goal is to turn the night to the morning Right, Rabbi Oseinu, giasman shacharis. That when they're saying the Seder Pesach night, we got to talk about Pesach a little bit, right? Seder Pesach night is to, to bridge the night of life to the morning of life, the challenges of life to the to the brilliance of life. To be able to see where all the difficulties brought me to a place I never could have possibly gotten to, right? And that's true not just on, for me individually. That's true for the you Yisrael also. That we never could have gotten where we have gotten without the challenges. Yaakov says Shema in the beginning, and we say Shema at the end, and that teaches the whole world. So that's what. It, so that's why this woman who didn't know how to say a bracha but she knew intuitively I don't know what to say but if I don't know what to say a Jew knows what to, say, know what to say when they don't know what to say when they don't know what to say they say Shema because that's what it means that a Jew is a Medaber this is the essence of the Jew is Adam Kiyeh Ba'ar sarah when he has challenges of life he uses his koach of Adam. The koach of Adam is the koach of Dibur. It's the koach of Medaber. so interesting. We have four, we've said this before, we have four different qualities, four different grades of life. There's domain. The most, in, the most insignificant life is the inanimate object. We don't call it inanimate. We call it the quiet objects. Many of my students during my class, who well, I'm not sure if they're alive or dead, they can be called the domain. Right? domain, domain. Right? They're quiet. There's nothing. There's no movement. Right, we say tchias avesim is when the bell rings. So that's dome, and then what? And then you have what? Then you have somayach. Then it grows a little bit. There's movement. Then there's chai, and there's there's not just that it's growing a little bit, but there's actual animation, right? But the ultimate, the ultimate humanity is what? Is medaber? Is medaber? That's the ultimate humanity. That's Adam. Adam is medaber. Adam is medaber. Man who uses his capacity of speech to connect to God. That is the goal of life. To use not just speech. Speech and there are many people use a lot of negative words, right? They're terrible. I look at big billboards and I say, what I look at the billboard. There's this disgusting things on billboards. Right? People can use speech in the most negative way. But you can use your cognitive reflective being in a way to make to make worlds, right? With what Kurtis created this world with speech. With speech. So comes the Torah and it introduces to us It introduces to us that the therapy of the mitzvah begins with the recognition that you are Adam. And you have problems, but you're not indicted for the problems, but you have to go to the Kohen. And the Kohen will tell you what you're doing wrong, because he's a good friend. And then when you hear it from him, you're going to love him, and not only will you be schlepped to him, you're going to go by yourself. el elah Kohen. And sometimes the Kohen's going to tell you, he's going to tell you what you're doing wrong, and he's going to and, and you're going to be you're gonna to have to be you're gonna be slammed. Your body is going to be de emphasized because that's part of what the Ramam teaches us, is the goal of come connecting to God is to 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 put on the back burner all of my tivus all of my desires. And that's a challenging thing in life, you know. Uh, especially after Purim, it's very challenging to overcome your tayvos achila. There's a lot of stupid food that's out there. in The Jewish community, I think we should totally change shalach in my opinion. But that's not for now. Um, but and then, right? And then sometimes the coin says, you know, the only way you can do this is if you leave town and you go for a, you go away for a bit. You know, I, I was looking. I, I don't have it. My phone's dead. But they have this thing called black hole hotels. You know, what black hole hotels are. Thought I'm dealing with an educated crowd. Black hole hotels is when you pay a ton of money to have no connectivity. You pay a ton of money. You want to this hotel? There's no connectivity. There's no internet. There's no TV. You can't even like you know. You can't even make the call. Like it's like you gotta you know you gotta dial with the you know with the, you know the, the Morse code. You know it, it totally. there's it a complete black hole. There's no connectivity whatsoever. You can't even circumvent the system because, right? And people pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> Never, nobody ever thought of turning off the cell phone. Like, that's because we all have the same type. Because it's easy to turn it on, right? So, what's the etza? What's the way for the Adam to tap into his being an Adam? What's the etza? What's the advice? Go away and reflect. Badad yeshev Go away. Go away and think about what you want to achieve in life. Right? Think about where you're going. Think about are you really accomplishing? Are you living a life where there are goals? Or is it just from one day to the next? Are you living a life of the flea preceded you? Or are you living a life of a shulchan aruch, that I'm waiting to get to the set table, I'm waiting to get to the palace, right? That really is the essence of the, of the parsha. It's about man plugging into his tachlis. Man plugging into his tachlis. That's the mavteach. That's the key. I want to leave you with this. Leave you with this. 'Cause it's really I think it's um, this isn't just a vort, Rabo both say. This isn't a vort. Sometimes we say a vort is a good sharp word, you know, good is you put it all together, the story, very nice. But the truth is, you know, people in this room, some people are in their twenties, some people are in their thirties, some people are in their forties, some are in their fifties, few in their sixties. You can even go a little bit higher, I think. You know, there. We have, we we you know we're not going to be forever. Not going to be forever. And we have flaws, and we have, and we have, a job to do. We have a job to do. And that job. We're not indicted for our lack of greatness, but we're indicted for our lack of aspirations for greatness. To live the life of mediocrity and to not think about which type of existence do I want. Do I want the existence of the shulchan aruch, the existence of that, that the, the, the king is setting the table for me, or do I want the existence of the flea who preceded me, right? It's such an unbe- listen to this unbelievable paradox. I've thought about this a lot. In the secular world, there's a lot of focus on the body, a lot of focus on the body. Tremendous, right? You know, you're, uh, there's a lot of money in the gyms, and I'm not saying gyms are bad, a lot of money, a lot of focus on the body, a lot of focus, right? You know, he looked good, she looked good, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then when the human being dies, what do they do to the body? They burn the whole thing up. Cremation is much cheaper, right? The whole thing. You know, I once called up. I'm not. I'm a Cohen. I called up the airlines to see if they bring carry dead bodies to to Israel because I'm trying not to go and, and touch an airline, right? Elal the whole Shilo, so I called Continental. So I called up the. By the time to get there, Who do you even speak to? Hi, uh, hi, I'm calling. A, do you carry dead body? How do you figure it? Like <laughs> to get to the right person, that was a whole story. So finally, I finally, got, you oh, you want the bereavement services? Oh, I said yes, I want the bereavement services. Okay, fine, bereavement services. I get to the bereavement services. Tell me, uh, do you carry a do you carry a coffins? You know, so uh, so the, so do you carry a, So the guy says, well, uh, do you mean in cargo or uh, on the on coach? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said wait a second I said I noticed the guy next to me was snoring but I didn't you know he didn't see the movie much but you, you mean me, they go they funny. go that way also they go like, I, I said I thought it was jo- he was joking Like so he goes no no I, I meant in the urn I meant in the urn like do you want you know that's what I mean carry underneath or the, or in coach you know in the urn I said, it's an amazing theory in the, in the, in the secular world there's such a, such an adulation and such an a- adoration and such an exaltation of human beings, of bodies, of bodies. And then once the body leaves, the, once the body is gone, just burn the whole thing up. It's gone. And in Judaism, right? In Judaism, you know, if you, if you do 10 push-ups, you're in good shape. Right? You know, he's he's khashim. He does 30 push-ups. He's you know, you know. And then, but, but the body, but the soul leaves the body? Give it a tarah. You can't, you have to not... Only certain people can touch the body. Right? What, what, what's going on here? Right? Are we the people that do we celebrate the body or not? What's going on here? Hmm. The Taretz is that in Yiddishkeit the body has tremendous value. Not the not the fifty cents in chemicals. With the extra three dollars and fifty cents for the skin. The value of the body is all the kedusha that it contains because the soul can't do it alone. And so therefore you are an Adam that has tremendous inherent kedusha, you're an Adam that has tremendous inherent holiness, but do not think that that holiness is limited or manifested in the day-to-day prancing from one pleasure to the other. Focus on your focus on your, <laughs> your Adamness then all the material becomes the handmaiden, as the Ramam says, for something great. It's a unified life. Adam, listen to leave with this point. Adam has no plural. Ish has a plural. Anoshim, Gever, gvarim. Nefesh Nufashot. Adam doesn't have a plural. Why? Because the ultimate goal of man is to live an absolute united. Integrate, integrated, singular, completely streamlined life where everything is one. HaKol Echad. Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad, and Klau Yisrael and God and His people are one also. We are a singularity. And if we live a life like that, then every aspect of life becomes something tremendously special and tremendously elevated. Shem should give us the ability to try to get closer to that goal to live a goal-centered life, of dibor, of speech, of of, of spirituality. And then, every part of our life, the body becomes the handmaiden for the soul, and we achieve tremendous closeness to Hashem. And be'ezda Hashem, we will achieve, in our own personal life, and in the life of the nation, Hashem Echad, Ushmo Echad. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful, beautiful night.